case you're curious, Mike made this, the intro. And just in case you're curious, it's episode 13. (laughs) (laughs) You're number 13. Yeah, do it. That actually should be the intro to the episode. (laughs) (laughs) That would be pretty good. Welcome to episode 13 of the Not Salty Podcast. I'm your host, John Bell. And as always, I'm joined by my good friends and co-hosts, Kristen Skeevers and Mike Fenton. In this episode, we talk to Pastor Dave of the local Crossroads Church. I wasn't sure how to introduce Dave. Is he a pastor? Is he a preacher? What's the correct terminology? So as usual, I stuck my foot in my mouth. But after we got over that, we learned how Dave and his family discovered Deep Creek and how they started a church with only a 30-person following, only to grow it to a membership of over 2,000. Dave, preacher man, whatever it is that you would like for us to call you, you're a good man, and you and your family have been an amazing addition to the community. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for spreading the word of God and good through the community. And most importantly, thank you for agreeing to be on the show. Mike, hopefully the show gets us one step closer to being forgiven. Hit the intro. And here we go. Uh, as Mike Fenton just pointed out to me, this is episode number 13. And uh, wow, we've made it to 13. Um, we were putting one out every Friday. And um, due to me, we missed last Friday. So I apologize. Uh, hopefully all <laughs> our listeners found something else to do last Friday. <laughs> I'm sure they did. But uh, no, I had, to, I had to run down to Florida and help my parents with a few things. And we're back on track this week. And our lucky number uh, 13 uh, guest is Dave Marsh. Hi, Dave. Hey, how's it going? So my, my first question I'm going to ask you is, because uh, I've, I've been meaning to ask you this for years, and uh, it's probably a question I should ask you in private, so instead I'm going to do it where the whole world's <laughs> listening. Oh, <laughs> love it. Where all of our 10 listeners are listening. <laughs> so um, what should I call you? I always call you Dave, and I don't know if that's the right thing to call you or not. Should I call you Pastor Dave, Preacher Dave? What's up, dude? Like, what's the right, what is the right thing to call you? My mother named me Dave. Okay. So we can stick with that. All right, that works. (laughs) That's fine. Yeah, we don't, we're not big on titles, so. Okay. My wife calls me Preacher Man. My grandkids call me Pop. My kids call me Dad. Uh, Everyone else calls me Dave, so. I might go with Preacher Man. That's pretty cool. All right. So, um, man, I don't even remember uh, how many years ago it was I met you. It was was a long time ago when... uh, um, if you're from Garrett County, you probably know who Dave is. Uh, you've, you've, uh, you've had a very positive influence on the town. Um, but I love you, man. You're a great guy. I'm really glad you're here. And your story's really neat. Um, you, I'll, I'll let you tell it instead of me telling your story, but you guys had a dream. You had a vision to start a church here and you started, and I believe you started it in Garrett eight cinemas in one of the movie theaters. Correct. Correct. Many years ago, my wife and I uh, got out the road atlas. Anyone remember those things? You guys. Yeah. I don't know. You're uh, I've, too I've, young. I've, I don't used, know. I've used it. Okay. The, uh, There's a good joke about Mike and his GPS we'll bring back someday. <laughs> <laughs> well, we no had a, a road atlas. Rand McNally, I think, or, or one of those companies that made them. And I told her, I said, hey, let's go drive and look at some ski resorts. We lived in West Virginia at the time. And uh, so I found... Uh, was Seven Springs, uh, Hidden Valley. So we went up there. Now, we had never been skiing. And I uh, said, well, let's, let's just go check out, you know, these resorts. And so we did. So we drank some hot chocolate and watched people fall and, you know, walk around the lodge and all that. And so as the day kind of went on, uh, I was trying to figure out how we're going to get home. And 
I said, well, look, there's one more down in Maryland, and it's on right on 219. I said, it's called The Wisp. I said, well, let's drive down there, and uh, we'll check that one out, and then we'll, we'll go home. And so we came to The Wisp, same thing, hot chocolate, watch people fall, but we heard singing. And uh, we were both singers and musicians, and so we kind of followed the sound, and we're just wandering through the lodge until we can find where the singing has come from. And so we came, you know, to the hotel part, and there was a room back there. We opened up the doors, and there's like a youth group or something in there singing. They've got guitars going, and people are singing. So we just kind of snuck in the back corner and joined in, and again, that's what we did, too, in church, you know, and so as I was walking out of that room, I told her, I said, wouldn't it be cool if someone kind of put a church in a resort area where people are coming and they're looking for, you know, rest and relaxation, but what if they could uh, add a spiritual element to, you know, what they were doing on their vacation? I said, but it would have to be a casual church, and you wouldn't have to dress up and all this sort of stuff, so that was kind of the idea to put a church here. And um, about six months later, we ended up moving here and uh, were a part of another church for about five years. And then we left and went to the state of Indiana, Evansville, Indiana area, and we were out there. But we could not get this idea for Garrett County out of our heads, or at least I couldn't. And uh, my wife said, you know, you're kind of miserable. We should probably (laughs) do something else. (laughs) And uh, I was like, well, okay. And there was nothing going wrong in our lives. It was all good. It was just like we had fallen in love with Garrett County, and we felt like we were supposed to be here, you know. So put the house up for sale and put in the resignation and uh, got in the U-Haul and drove our at that time, I think we might have had four kids. Uh, okay. At that it was time. a big move. It was a big move, 500 miles away, and uh, no job, no house, no nothing. And uh, couldn't find a, couldn't find a place to live in Garrett County because we still owned a house out there. It was like, oh, what are we going to do? And I said, well, I think I need a job. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I took a job at a music store in Morgantown, and uh, we found a place to live over there. Was that Follies? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. Folly Music. Yep. And so... Uh, so I would uh, do that, and then uh, we we started the church um, literally one week later from okay. the, from the time we moved back. Uh, the next Sunday we started meeting in Garrett Eight Cinemas. So in business, I one hundred percent remember my very first customer, right? But it's it's different. It was me on a first customer. When you have your first church service, who was there? Was it just you and Patty? <laughs> like, like how did how did that walk me through that? Yeah. So we did have some friends here um, who weren't going to church anywhere. Yeah. And so we had reached out to them and told them the idea, and we said, "Hey, would you would you be interested in helping us doing this?" And, uh, and most of them said, yeah. And, uh, so we had about with our family and the few folks we knew there were 30 of us. And so that was kind of our core. Okay. And, uh, and we said, all right, let's, let's do this thing. You know, had no idea what we were doing, even though I had been in ministry, I had never started a church. Yeah. I didn't know there were whole systems. There were organizations to help you. There were financial backers that if you knew, you, to ask, you could have asked, but I was too dumb. I didn't know. <laughs> How hard can it be? We'll start a church. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, so there was not a lot of planning. People will, you know, sometimes ask me now, like, well, what was the process you went through? And I said, well, we drove back, we borrowed a sound system, and we started <laughs> having church. That's all That's all I knew to do. So what year would that have been approximately? What do you think that was? Oh, you lose track of time, you know, but I, it, it was 15 years ago, so I, 
Whatever that is. One of you guys can do that. So bathroom. approximately 15 years ago, you decided to do this. You had 30 people show up on a Sunday. Yeah. And I don't mean this to brag, and I don't think you're the... Well, it wouldn't be me bragging. Me bragging for you. But I don't think you're the type of person to brag to begin with. And that's not where I'm going with this. How many members do you have today? Well, it's a little hard uh, because people are tran- transient and they come and they go, you know. But about 2,000. That's amazing. And, w- and what I've noticed is, um, you can yell at me for this in a little bit, I get there as often as I can. Unfortunately for me, I work on the weekends and I, I need to get better at coming on Sundays. But when I when I come there, I feel very welcome. Everybody's very happy. You you made a point a minute ago about a, a casual church. Um, if, you, if you look at me, I'm not very fashionable. I wear the same pair of blue jeans for seven days and then put my other pair on. And uh, I'm 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 in the top fifty percent, so I fit in. You know, it's, uh, but it, but it, my point is, it's very comfortable. And um, when when Noel and I, my wife and I, decided we were going to start going to church, we went to a couple of them, and they were all super nice. They were all great, and uh, probably all preached the same word and uh, good churches. We just felt really comfortable and welcomed with your organization. Um, and I, I've watched you grow or watched the church grow over the years. I mean, to the point where it used to be comfortable and now it's very comfortable. Like you guys have donuts for the kids when you walk in. Like you have people standing there and saying hi to you. Like you you have created around a church a community of very, very good people. It's It's neat to see that. Just one correction. The donuts are for the adults as well. Oh, okay. Well, okay, good. <laughs> I make Natalie pretend one put one in her pocket. No, I'm kidding. Well, we <laughs> noticed that. And we were just like, someone tell John he can have a donut. It's fine. No, it's great. You guys have coffee. I yeah. think that's actually what sold me on it. Uh, and at first you didn't have free coffee, which now you do. That's awesome. But uh, how often do you go to church? I would bring my Yeti tumbler with a great big, uh, I don't know, 24 ounce of coffee. And it's great. You yeah. guys you guys open it up. Um it seems like you always start with three or four songs, and then you always close out with a song or two. And Mike, you guys would get along great. Uh, Dave's a really good. We uh, already guitar cutting it player. up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's uh, it's neat. But I, I will tell you um, that just you go there and all those people and there, there are people that you kind of sort of know because you see them around town, and it's just it's a different environment and everybody. Um, I don't know even if you want to get into it. How many how many people does your organization help? I mean, you guys are sponsoring everything. You're you're helping feed kids in schools. I mean, it's what you have done is obviously very good to promote religion and and help people in that way. But you've also helped the county. I've seen you reach out to places in West Virginia and help them. I've seen you guys help people overseas in certain areas. I mean, you're just the outreach from this little town from some dream you had 15 years ago that 99 percent of the world would have called you crazy over is amazing well thank you for saying that and we're we're just really blessed i mean our people are very generous and since day one we've always taken the approach of hey if someone in our county is already doing something that's good and it's working we don't have to replicate that we don't have to do that ourselves let's just get behind them and help them do it you know so it's kind of just been our philosophy of the way we do things. And so, you know, we look for organizations that are doing great things in Garrett County, and we have a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, the amount of people who have a heart to give and serve in this community is its just, I hate to say crazy because we think that's a bad thing, but it's crazy. I mean, there's just so many people who are serving in the community. So we look for ways to say, hey, how could we give them some money or how could we send them some volunteers or, you know, how could we help get the word out or promote them? And so that's just what we've, you know, that's just what we've done. And, uh, 
I think it's it's helped us multiply that impact again. If if we went out and tried to start all these different things, like we don't have a food pantry, people say, "Well, you're the you know the biggest church in the region. Why don't you have a food pantry?" Well, we don't. We don't have a food pantry. But Oak Park Church of the Brethren has a food pantry. Oh, so you can <laughs> and, help them, and we can help them. House of Hope has a food pantry. We just helped another one in Grantsville. You know. They're already doing that work, and they're doing a great job of it. And they've got the space and the logistics, and they know how to do it. Let's give them some money. Let's get behind them. Give them some support. No point in recreating the wheel. If they're already out there and they're doing a good job with it, help them out and serve other people. Yes. A lot of times it almost seems like um, all it takes is someone to open the door for that to happen. And that's what it seems like you've been very good at. There already were, like you said, great people in the community. They wanted to volunteer. They wanted to do stuff. You actually opened the door and allowed them to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just, it's neat to see what you guys are doing. Thank you. Um, so I do have another personal question for you. Um, I went down to uh, my parents' house last week, and I was talking to my mom and dad. And I don't remember what spawned this idea, the thought in my head. It might have been something on Facebook you put up or something like that. But uh, I asked my mom if I had been baptized. And my dad said, yeah. And my mom said, well, I don't really know. <laughs> so um, so I'm not 100% sure if I have or not. Um, I, uh, According to my mom, we went to a Baptist church in Virginia, and I believe what I got out of the story was they did the christening thing for me. I, okay. I, I, I was going to kind of ask you what that means because I really don't know. But I think I was a baby, and they came up there, and they rubbed water on my head. And, then, and I thought at 46 years old now, I thought that that meant I was baptized until I just asked my dad and my mom, and I don't think I was anymore. <laughs> so uh, I promised my mom I would do this. Uh, uh, she's gonna be home next time. Uh, I'll be there. All right. Uh, Will I, I? Do I have to ask you? Like, how does that work? Will you baptize me? I know you do it, people, all the time. Uh, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. So, every church looks at that differently. Okay. Um, and uh, you may be opening up a can of worms here, but we'll just go with it. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, so we have our own way of looking at that. So we don't baptize infants and, okay. and babies, but some churches do, and that's okay if they want to do that. What we do is we we call that dedication or you know, some may call it christening, but we do a dedication where we bring the family up and we say, hey, you are dedicating this child. You're recognizing that every baby is a gift from God. And so his mom, dad, grandparents, maybe sometimes aunts and uncles, whoever comes in the family, we're just stopping for a minute. We're just reflecting. We're looking. And I mean, I don't know how you can, anyone can look into the eyes of a baby <laughs> and not believe in God. Sure. I, I don't know how you do that, but some people do. But we're stopping, we're reflecting, we're looking into the eyes of this baby and we're saying, God, this is a miracle from you. And so what we're going to do is we're going to try our best. We know we're not going to be perfect parents, but we're going to try our best to raise this child in a home that is loving, to raise this child in a way that one day they could have their own faith. So that means we're setting examples for them. Okay. And so what we do is we do that dedication. We pray over them. And then when they are old enough to make their own decision, we will baptize them. Okay. Okay. And so lots of folks are baptized as kids or, you know, as babies. And then they'll come to us later and they'll say, Hey, I was baptized, you know, as an infant, but that was really a decision my mom made or my grandma made. That wasn't really my decision, but now I've come to my own faith and I'd like to make that decision for myself. Will you baptize me? The answer is always That's yes. That's where I was related to this personally. Like, yes. so if I was or if I wasn't when I was a baby, it wasn't because I chose to do it. It was my parents took me there. So. Correct. At 46 years old, I would like to do it because I choose to do it. And that's legit? That's the right process? Yep. 
It's interesting that that that's what. Um, so, what denomination is uh, Crossroads? We are non-denomination. Non-denomination. Okay. Yeah. Well, so which means we can't commit to a denomination. That's what. The yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. He uh, in, in 15 years ago he watched the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. and Started started a church. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's it's interesting that that's uh, you know the the path that you decided on because my wife and I had discussed you know what we wanted to do and I've always been like wait till she's old enough to decide for herself. I mean, that, and I, I hadn't taken into consideration the dedication process that you just uh, explained, um, which I like that as well. But I just, in my mind, I was always like, it seems like a personal thing that you should, you know, come to God and however you want on your own, your own way, correct? I mean, yeah. is that the yeah, idea? Yeah, the, the only caveat I would say to that is if a child is going to make that decision, you do have to expose them to that world Certainly. so that they could make a decision, you know, where some would say, oh, no, I'm not going to force my religion on my kids, which I think is a bad idea. I don't think you should. Mm -hmm. But Scripture does tell us to train up a child in the way that he should go. When he is old, he'll not depart from it. You have to put them in, you know, it would be like to say if you shielded your kids, you never let them see anything, you know, how could they make certain choices on their own? Well, if they don't have any sort of, uh, uh, what do I want to say, exposure to faith or religion or any of those things, it'd be very hard for them to make that yeah, choice. Certainly. But uh, yeah, we, so we believe that it's a personal choice that, you know, hopefully you're exposed to that. There is some element of faith in your life. So if kids are curious, they can dig deeper and, and find the truth for themselves. That's cool. Uh, is there an age range in your head? Um, I was just going to ask that. Is there like a minimum age where you're like, okay, you, you understand enough to do it? Um, probably the youngest I've baptized would be six, six years old. Okay. So you could, so, I mean, I was raised Lutheran and we have like a confirmation, yeah. Same. you know, right. And like, it's, I think you're over 10. I, I'm, I can't remember how old I was, I was. in middle school. So yeah. So like 10 grade. to 13. Um, so I was just curious if that's kind of like a similar age range that you're seeing with yeah. baptism. Like, is, is that like a similar process with like a non-denominational and Lutheran, like a confirmation kind of like what you're considering baptism? Because I'm assuming I was baptized as a baby. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. and then the, my confirmation was kind of what you're saying. That's like me saying it's my choice now. Yeah. Yeah. So what I would want to do is talk to a child and say, well, what does this mean to you? You know, and if, if they if can, they're old enough to understand, yeah, then it's a good idea. Yeah. You know, and so uh, even some of my kids, I've said, "Hey, I, I don't think you quite understand yet. Why don't we wait another year?" You know, yeah. and they're like, "Okay, Dad, it's fine." And uh, you know, the next year they're able to tell me, "Hey, what does this mean?" Well, I've been buried with Christ, and I've been resurrected with Him into new life. My my sins are 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 gone in His grave, and my new life is is in Him, and my future is in heaven. And you know, whatever their terms are. But you can get an idea of whether they understand what they're what they're talking about or not, you know. But in the Bible, if you read the Bible, there are people that on the day they came to faith in Christ, they were baptized at that moment, you know. So there wasn't a lengthy there process. Wasn't a physical. There wasn't a class. There wasn't that. But uh, as we said, you know, lots of denominations have their own ways, their own traditions, and uh, we've just always taken the approach of, you know, you do it the way that you feel is proper, and we'll do it the way we do it. Um, my theory on it, and this is, feel free to jump in, is that God knows what you're doing anyway. So if you're, if God knows everything about you, he's going to know if you're doing it with bad intentions, or if you're doing it with right intentions. And uh, uh, I was going to bring this up because I've, I've been there when you've done it twice. And one time I was in the church, and you guys like a little pool thing. Yeah. And I, I watched you do it in the lake before. And I guess to 
my point is, um, does God actually care if it's holy water or lake water <laughs> or it's, you know, and then the yeah. second follow-up that has, are you still doing it in the lake? Yeah. Well, we don't do it at Deep Creek Lake anymore because the church got too big. Okay. And so the last time we did it, uh, the park manager, he was... He was pulling his hair out. Because it was the busiest day at the state park. We just invaded. July 4th. July 4th yeah. <laughs> yeah. We invaded the beach, you know, because yeah. people wanted to come and support those who are doing it. And uh, and I love I love doing it in the lake. Yeah. That's really my, neat. That's my yeah. favorite. And uh, I think we had four lines going, and, and we were just, you know, teams of people baptizing people. We had people stopping on the bridge, watching, you know, boat, boats pulling up, people cheering and honking their horns and that kind of stuff. It was really cool, but it wasn't great for the park when they had tourists there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> sure. And, and uh, so we have we have moved them uh, indoors. Into now, there, the there are times that, uh, that we will do smaller groups of people you know, at the lake or somewhere else, but you can still use lake water. I'll bring you a bucket. I'll, yeah. I'll bring a five gallon bucket <laughs> of lake water. Bring, bring it over. <laughs> do you do like full some, uh, like fully submerged indoors too? Or yes, yeah, we got a little, we got a little tank. Oh, okay. We're cool. gonna, we're gonna get you wet. So if it's somebody, <laughs> if it's somebody you don't like or somebody really needs to meet Jesus real quick, do you hold them under for <laughs> an extra them down second? Longer, just a, a little shake, maybe. We we've yeah. had people offer to give special offerings if we would hold someone down. <laughs> you, know, you know, and uh, I'm not saying we oblige, but we Noel, oblige. you are not allowed to bribe Dave before. <laughs> uh, missing out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know the power's not in the water. And it's not in the location. It's not even in the words you say. It's, it's in the commitment. And yeah, what's going on in your heart? You know, I baptized my dad when he was 83 years old. Yeah. I couldn't get him in a tank. You know, I dumped water over his head at the state park. You know, yeah. we, he was just too old. We couldn't get him in the lake. And God, God saw that. He saw his heart. And that's more important than the water. Since you brought him up, uh, when you were a little boy, did he ever look at you like, he's going to be a preacher someday? Is that how you grew up? Um, You know... My my grandfather was a preacher. Yeah. And my uncle was a preacher, but I did not know them. Yeah. Um, and so my mom told me that I always said when I was little, I was going to be a preacher or Elvis. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so I tried to combine the two worlds, and I did music for a long time, and then <laughs> I went to preaching. Uh, but uh, I was, uh, no, you know, we only went to church till I was about six years old. Okay. And then my family stopped going to church. They just went through some stuff, and you know, life happens and they got out of the habit. And, uh, so they stopped going to church. And so, uh, I did, I went into music and that's what I did. I traveled and played bars and clubs and festivals and shows and did all that sort of stuff, you know, from here down to Myrtle beach and back. And that was just kind of my life. And, uh, one weekend we were, we were uh, playing, uh, Broadway at the beach, which if you ever go to Myrtle beach, it's a, sure, we know where it is. you know, yeah. We're, yeah, we're playing there and it was a beautiful sunny day and, um, you know, people are dancing everywhere. And like, that was like my dream like that, you know, I kind of made the big time. That's as far as really I wanted to go. I just wanted to make a living. And, uh, but I was miserable. Yeah. I was just, I was just, again, that miserable thing. God seems to speak to me through misery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what, what, what about it was making you miserable? Like just empty, traveling? Just oh, empty. Just feeling Just empty. like, hey, this is what I've worked for, and it's still not doing it for me. Yeah. You, you were know? there to do a job. You weren't there because you wanted to be there. Yeah. And I loved it. We had a great band. We were playing oldies music. It's fun music, saxophone, you know, <laughs> Hammond B3 organ, and people danced and, and all that. It was, it was fun. I loved the guys I was playing with. Um, but it just empty. Just like, this is not my purpose. In, Insufficient. 
yeah. in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, okay. like, it's like, I don't know if you've ever, we've probably all done this, like, you wanted to buy something, you know, and you researched it, and you looked around, and you found the best deal, and you went and looked at that one. No, you didn't want that one. I kept, I'm going to keep going. I'm going, but whatever, you know, you finally get the boat or the car or I won't say the house because we know houses make people happy, right? But you, <laughs> Definitely. If you want to be real happy, get baptized in by a vacation house. Yeah. The more houses, the happier. <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, you get that thing, oh, and 100%. then, like, two days later or three days later or three weeks or whatever it is, you know, it just did not quite fulfill. And next thing you know, you're on eBay looking for another one or, you're, <laughs> you know, you're... And so that's where I was. I, I was just, I was just unfulfilled. And so, um, I didn't, I did not read the Bible. I hadn't been to church in years. Um, I don't know that I prayed. I always had a, I always knew God was real, but I, I didn't really have a strong relationship with him. And so, but just there in that state I was in, I'm just playing guitar, you know, and watching people dance. And I just said, God, if you get me out of this, this was the only life I knew. I had quit school, really. You know, I, I became a dad at the age of uh, 17. You know, I got married at 16. Um, I was like, if you get me out of this, I'm going to find you. That's all I knew. So that was a Saturday. Drove back home on Sunday. Monday, walked into a music store in Clarksburg, West Virginia. And the guy said, hey, don't you live in Fairmont? I was like, yeah. He said, I'm starting a new store in <laughs> Fairmont. He said, would you manage it for me? Yeah. Well, that was my that was my answer because I I did know, know music, and I had to earn a living, but it was going to get me out of that lifestyle I was in of of the travel and, and all that. What I didn't know is on Monday mornings, no musicians come into music stores. Okay, <laughs> they're they're trying to recover from, from the, the weekend. weekend yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> they played till two in the morning and yeah. did all the things that go along with that lifestyle, and they're just trying to recover. The six a.m. shift at the music store isn't very popular. Right. <laughs> but I'll tell you who comes into music stores: preachers. Okay, because something went wrong with their sound system. Uh oh, uh, the microphone broke. There was feedback. They're mad, and then we were in downtown Fairmont. And uh, uh, a lot of the, the churches were African-American. And if you ever go to an African-American worship service, I don't, want to, I don't want to paint with too big a, a broad brush here, but they just worship different than, than a lot of us white folks, you know. Yeah. And our service might be an hour long. Their service might be three hours long. And these ladies would buy tambourines. We're good with an hour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I noticed you always looking at your watch about 58 minutes into it. He does that even when he's not at church. <laughs> Is that right? All right. Well, these ladies would play these, they'd buy these tambourines, and they would have beat these tambourines for an hour on their hip, you know? And uh, it would break and all this stuff. So they'd come back, and they'd be like, hey, I need a new tambourine. And we had church yesterday, and they'd look at me, and they'd say, where'd you go to church? And I'd say, well, <laughs> I don't go to church. Well, why don't you go to church, you know? And so... What I didn't know is there's this big spiritual word called sovereignty, you know, that God eventually gets us where he wants us to be, even if we don't even really know that he's doing it at the time. And that's what he was doing. He was putting me in a place where people now were coming in and they were starting to talk to me about church. He opened and, the door for you. Correct. You know, and uh, and so one thing led to another and uh, a, a guy. So when they found out I was a musician, they would always say, Hey, come and play music at our church. And, uh, I was afraid to do that. Cause I would, 
I knew I would just hide behind the the music. Uh, I I knew that they would just you know put me up there, and but there was something wrong in here, and I had to try to figure out what that was, and uh, so that emptiness was still there. And so, anyway, uh, long story short, you know, a guy said, "Hey, I'm starting a church." He said, "I need a sound man." So he didn't ask me to play music. He just said, "Could you run the soundboard?" And I thought, "Well, soundboard. I know it's going to be in the back of the room." No one would be seeing me. No one would be paying attention to me. You know, I didn't. I, I didn't want any of that. I was very nervous about going back to church. That, that's a pretty serious calling, too, because I've been learning how to mix not just live music, but my own recordings and stuff like that. And I'm a big YouTuber. Ninety percent of the stuff you find on YouTube is worship. Guy. And oh, they, really? I, it's so impressive. I mean, yeah. it's 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 amazing how how uh, talented and and how how much call for talent it is. And I never even thought about it. But you know, you're putting on a performance, sound performance, right? Yeah. For a, a room, you're adjusting all the time for the room. And I mean, sometimes you have massive bands, especially like you were saying. Uh, I went to to an African American service one time. My neighbor was like, "You should come to church with me," yeah. and I was blown away. <laughs> I mean, it was. Amazing. Amazing, as a, especially as a musician. So yeah. that's pretty cool. That like that that was your you going in was running sound. Have you have you ever done that before? Like running sound? I had, but you know, just because I was involved in the in the in the music business, so eventually you you know find yourself behind that soundboard. So sure. that was kind of my reintroduction to church, and that was his first service. And I thought, you know, this wasn't bad. Maybe I'll go back next week. And uh, I went back the next week, and you know, one thing led to another, and. That was many years ago. So it's the it's the man in the arena thing. Uh, when I'm when I'm sitting there watching you, you look incredibly comfortable on stage. Like you're you're in front of anywhere up to two thousand people at a time, and you you're in your element. You look comfortable. I'm sure that you're the man in the arena, and your adrenaline's going, or you're you're human, right? But if you if you think about all that stuff you just said. And if you if you want the hair on the back of your neck to stand up, maybe that was God getting you there. You know, like uh, the way you can relate is you've you've done that. You know, mm-hmm. you you became a follower at an early age. Uh, from understands, you came from very humble beginnings. Uh, from some of your stories, and uh, and you made it. You know, you didn't get divorced. You didn't take the easy road. You didn't. I mean, you you worked your butt off, and you, you would. It's kind of like the other the Charlie Brown cartoon. Um, it's a uh, God, please give me a sign. And there's a sign right behind him saying, go that way. But he just <laughs> yeah. didn't read the sign. Yeah, uh, he didn't turn around. Um, but that, that, all that stuff is probably what made you where you are today. That was your college. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think all of us can look back on our lives, you know, and see different experiences that, that God put us in uh, or people we met along the way or those things that just kind of stick with you. Like you can't shake them. Like what was that? person I talked to at that restaurant or what, you know, what was that sign or those just things that just kind of, it's not really in your head. It's deeper than that. It's in your heart somewhere. And I think if we, if we have some sort of sense of that, that life is more than we can just see with our natural eyes, I think we could, we're able to trace that to, to the hand of God. And I, I certainly believe, I mean, I brought a bunch of our staff up on the platform on Sunday because we're talking about how do we find God's will for our lives? And I said, you know, right now my job is to stand behind this pulpit and preach, you know, but I had our sound man up there and I said, but years ago, my job was to do this. And then I had our, our music director up there and years ago, my job was to do this. And, and I had our media guy up there. I said, years ago, my job was to do this. I said, I wasn't any less in the will of God running sound than I am preaching. 
Probably you equally know, as important. Equally as important. I can't do my job without that guy. Right. You know, and so the system of the the kind of the world we live in is is it paints this picture of climbing a ladder to success. But I don't really see that in in the way God sees things. We don't we don't climb ladders necessarily in his kingdom. Again, I know the world has a way of measuring success. But don't you look at it as you were always there, you just didn't know it yet? Like isn't that the way you should look at it? You you're already you you've always been where God wanted you to go. You just didn't realize it cuz you were on your way there, right? It it's a journey. So God is just as concerned with the journey as he is the destination. Because it turns you into who you are. Correct. You know, all all those things our character and our calling walk side by side and he's he's always using everything we walk through to prepare us you know for that for that next thing well and what 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 else exists other than the moment anyway you know now that's deep <laughs> let's talk about snow yeah. <laughs> listen this guy writes poetry that doesn't rhyme so, <laughs> but i only read books that do rhyme. Really? <laughs> so, we figured out only smart people enjoy poetry that doesn't rhyme so. <laughs> we solved a lot of problems before Man, I'm, I'm pretty low in the intelligence list <laughs> I just don't get it. do you like rhyming poems well sure yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. roses are red <laughs> um hey so we were joking around a little bit before we came in here and uh, i was joking about uh, can you say a little prayer for us that, that it might snow? We really mm. need snow right here. And obviously, I'm just kidding. Don't don't waste your time on that. But uh, uh, it made me think, I wonder how how funny would it be someday if you actually got to talk to God and he told you about all the people who made promises to him. Like you were saying, God, if you get me out of this concert in Myrtle Beach, I will follow you. I will do this. How many promises do you think he actually gets that most Ooh. people don't? Um, I'm, I guarantee if you dissected my life, I'm guilty of it. I guarantee you I've, I've done that at some point. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Probably shouldn't. <laughs> I, think a, I think a lot of us say things to God, you know, yeah. that uh, that we probably shouldn't, but thankfully he's he's merciful. and He's uh, got to have a little bit of a sense of humor. Uh, I am sure. <laughs> I, I, I'll just to add to that. When I was a kid, we got two kittens, and I lost them in my house. Uh-oh. I couldn't find them. And I did say, please, God, if you help me find these kittens, I will never ask for anything again. And I was probably like seven or eight. And you've never asked anything again, have you? Well, I, know, I think that I've broken that. Uh, so yeah. I'm one of those people. But, yeah, I did find the you kittens. You found the kittens. I found the okay. kittens. So, yeah. That's great. But anyway, yeah, you do, you, you do reach out in times of need. So I, I imagine... That's your thing. We're human. We're flawed. I mean, yeah. it's, obviously, you don't want to take that excuse every time. But, yeah. yeah. As, a, as, a, as a musician, and uh, I mean, I assume your kids are all grown. And uh, are your grandkids at, like, you know, Disney, Pixar kind of age at all? Have you seen the movie Soul is what I was going to ask. I don't know if I have. I think I have. I think I have. It's fantastic. And a lot of really good music in it, right? Well, good music, but it's, it's it's a guy who is a musician. And he never gets a chance to perform on stage. And the day, the day that he, I, I won't spoil the movie too much, but the day that he gets his big break, he falls down and dies. <laughs> oh. And he's like, and so the whole movie takes off where like he's this soul getting ready to go to the great beyond. And there's oh. all these oh, no. characters. And, and, and a lot, the whole movie's about finding your spark. And it, it's, Lucy loves it. And it's probably my favorite like kids movie. It's fantastic. Ah, I have not, no, as a musician and a man of the cloth or, <laughs> you know, casual cloth, as you guys are saying, <laughs> um, I think you'd really get a kick out of it. Check it okay. out. Yeah. yeah. I have to check that out. So, the uh, the other one, um, what's the one where the guy he started the song? Uh, Would I dance for you, Jesus? Um, 
Oh, why am I drawing a blank? I can only it's, imagine. Uh, I can only imagine, yeah. yeah. So Molly and I watched that, and uh, she's watched it five times. Um, I've watched it with her a little bit here and there. But that always makes me laugh when he's thinking, would I dance for you, Jesus? And in my mind, that is probably the last thing Jesus would want me to do. <laughs> I don't know why. John, 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 just yeah. what you're good at. He's like, hey, buddy, you've already been baptized. Just chill out. Like, I, I've given you gifts for a reason. Certain yeah. people have their things. Mine is not dancing. I, I am 100% confident Jesus would not want me to dance that for That surprises me. I feel like you'd be a good you know, dancer. It would be, no, it'd be so embarrassing. No. I would probably try, and he'd be like, no, just cut it out. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe awesome. in heaven. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe so. you get I'd, a new I'd, gift. I'd have some wings or something, yeah. let's hope. <laughs> yeah, we just watched that movie Sunday night, actually, at, at church. We did yeah. a movie night. That's that's an incredible movie. That's yeah. why I was thinking about it. Natalie was what, there. What, what movie was it? It's called I Can Only Imagine. And, oh. and uh, that was a song that was crossover Christian pop radio. It was a huge song. But okay. it was a, based on a true story. This guy and his dad, he had an abusive dad. And uh, the, the dad was just uh, just this awful guy, you know. And uh, But later in life, he got cancer and, uh, you know, started thinking about the end of his life. And he ends up coming to the Lord and, and him and his son, they kind of heal that relationship. And again, it's a true true story. The lead singer of uh, this band, Mercy Me, and he wrote this song, I Can Only Imagine. And yeah, that's that's one of the lines. Wow, pretty it. cool. Yeah. Well, and one of the neat things too, didn't it only take him five minutes to write that song, but he has no, it took me an entire life to write the song? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was kind of neat yeah. when you look at it that way. Like uh, part of saying, I wrote it in five minutes. Well, no, it actually took me 35 years to get here. <laughs> you know, yeah, sort of that's, that's one of the, just the kicker lines in that. Yeah. And uh, again, that kind of goes back to, you know, God using our whole life. Uh, we've all got, I don't know, I heard you the other day, you just turned 46. 46. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in uh, CDC right now, I know you said 90. You might oh, get, you, you listen might to the podcast. Yeah, right. the podcast. There you go. Yeah. Okay, so I, uh, I see where you're going now. CDC says maybe 76, but I don't, know. I don't know how Public well you want to listen to the CDC. But anyway, that's another podcast. But uh, but yeah, I mean, we all do have an end date. Yeah, you know, for this for this life. Anyway. I'm kind of happy I don't know when that is. Could you imagine what if you knew it was 76 or 93 or whatever? It's like, it would, uh, you, you don't movie, want to movie know. Big Fish where they look into the witch's eye and you know you see how you're going to die. They're like, I don't know if I want to do that, and he's like. I think I do. And then he lives his whole life with full fearless because he knows when he's going to die. It's an interesting movie. That's oh. another good one. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. I just had a friend who had uh, pancreatic cancer, and um, he uh, he knew he was going to die. Yeah. And so he lived uh, four years uh, from from that diagnosis. And up until a few months ago, he was uh, in Kentucky volunteering. There were some big floods down there, and he was – volunteering building houses down there and he knew that he only had a short time left you know and i just watched that guy and what he did with his life and uh just just amazed just admire the character in someone who would just use their last days to serve others and ironically so his funeral was two weeks ago they yeah. asked us to sing i can only imagine really at his huh. at his uh at his funeral that was his favorite song but uh yeah you know not to be <laughs> Not to be too down here in the podcast, but <laughs> we inspiring. are. We we are all going to, you know, we need to do something with this life. That's the only real key to happiness is to serve other people and find something worthwhile doing. Uh, the idea of just to serve ourselves or pile up more money in in a bank account or more toys or what's that going to do for you? 
I've noticed a shift recently uh, with culture, and it's it's not as big as I hope it becomes, but it has shifted some. We were talking about buying commodities, you know, a new iPhone, a new iPad, um, a video game system. Kind of neat. I don't have a video game system. Mm. Uh, I don't even know what they're called. Nintendo, whatever. That's when I was a kid. But uh, old um, yeah, I know. Seriously, three, but you, we have seen that shift some, and I, I really see it in my daughters and their friends and all that kind of stuff. It's it's going to more experience, and I do like that. You know, um, and I don't know what your experience is. Your experience might be going and helping build houses, or your experience might be going on a vacation, or riding horses, or whatever. I, if you're if you're looking to fulfill yourself, I know me personally. If I go buy a new iPad, it's sitting in the corner in two weeks, and I could care less about it. My old one's probably just fine. But if I go out and do something. Like if I go out and do an experience that stays with me longer, and I still talk about it. You know, yeah. it's a, and I've seen that shift in culture, and I, I think that's a, a gosh. We were we were in a meeting this morning, the three of us were, and we were talking to an economic. Um, ec- What's the word I'm looking for? Economic? He was a doctor. He's a doctor in economics. <laughs> I forget what his actual term is, but a um, uh, very smart man talking about it, the economy. And um, he was talking about just people aren't buying as much as they used to but a little bit they're still buying a lot of stuff <laughs> yeah. and that's just that's part of being american you got to grow out of that and um i i think that shift's kind of cool like uh, uh at 46 years old if my next whatever years i hope i have more experiences than buy stupid stuff i don't need yeah when you think about uh i mean i don't know everyone's experiences here but let's see i've got six kids i still we had kind of two sets of kids so we still have five at home <laughs> all right got so it. so at home, we got a 21-year-old, 20-year-old, 17, those are boys, 17-year-old girl, 15-year-old girl, 12-year-old girl. Good grief. You remember all their names? <sighs> sometimes we say, whatever your name is, I told you not to I do that. I have two, and I mess up their names sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But those, at least our second set of kids, so our first, uh, our, our oldest son, we were pretty, we were pretty poor. Yeah. Know? We did not, we did not, we couldn't give, there was a lot of things we could not give him. And uh, he always gives us a hard time, like, well, we, we never had that. We never, I said, we couldn't, have, you know, we couldn't do it, you know. But for my kids, your, your kids, I mean, pretty much whatever they need, they're going to have. Sure. And I do think there is something in this younger generation now that maybe feels kind of that still emptiness of, like, we got all the stuff, yeah. but there still has to be something more. You know, my uh, my son, who's 20, he, uh, you know, he has he has friends like like everybody does. And some of his friends have gone through some really hard things in life. And he says, Dad, you know, when I look at their lives, like, I got it made. Like, you know, and I'm glad he can see that. He's not comparing or thinking he's better than someone else. But he's realizing how lucky he he's, is. Yeah, he's he's like, wow, you know, it's, it's producing gratitude in him. And, and he's realizing that it's, you know, it's not just all this material pursuit because at the end of that stuff, there's just not much there. And that's hard to do because every time you turn around, there's a big flashy sign somewhere telling you you need a new iPad. I mean, it's just it's yeah. hard to remind yourself to be grateful for what you have. Yeah. Um, there, there's been a bunch of things that have changed me over the years. There, there's been nothing that changed me like having kids. Like when mm. you just said, if uh, you you can't look at a baby and don't realize God exists, there there is a higher power of something that that that. That's a miracle, right? Yeah. And then the other miracle is, I don't know how it changes all dads, but the miracle is how it changed me. Um, I am I am a totally, totally different person than I was before kids. Like, I always, I'll, I'll joke uh, um, that, I don't know, I, I read something the other day that said, um, you know, 
we get to watch our kids grow up, but our kids don't realize they actually get to watch us grow up. Mm -hmm. And that actually led into me. Like, uh, my 13-year-old has no idea how much she's watched me grow up over the past 13 years. I watch her, and I realize that, but she doesn't know how I've changed. And it's just... It, how you look at things Pretty is cool. different, and uh, it just, I don't know. I think kids teach us as much as we teach them. They're probably yeah. more. I hate cliches, man, but, man, everything changed when I had a kid. There's no doubt. Yeah. You look at things different. Like, it's just, uh, I don't know. Like, it just, I, and probably, I don't know, the difference between a 20-year-old male and a 40-year-old male is extinct, insanely different, even if you didn't have kids, you know, just biologically. But uh, it's uh, that's something that changed me a lot. Yeah. And uh, they probably don't know how scared to death we are you know they're scared of a lot of things in life but we're scared that we're going to mess them up you know or they're they're watching us and we every we, day we, yeah but it's like oh is this the right thing to do is that the right thing to do and uh when they hit the teenage years that's a whole that's a whole natalie just thing. turned 13 she grew into a teenager like in like three seconds it was <laughs> yeah. pretty neat yeah yeah, yeah this, she's a great those kid. are the two emotions that i don't think i've ever really felt until i have a kid was love no offense to my wife and she knows no this. i think that's I true said, yeah. yeah love and fear you know yeah. the, i don't i don't think i've ever i've never been afraid to to die you know i'm not like a risky guy like i wasn't running up climbing towers and stuff mm -hmm. like that i watched my friends do that but you know driving a car never thought twice i'm like oh, i'm a good driver now i'm like i'm not the only driver on the road you know like <laughs> I, I can do everything right and you know lucy doesn't have a dad anymore you know like it's just just yeah that fear was uh something that set in that i was like wow man this is really strange and beautiful too you know so yeah yeah then you wonder, too, you're like, um, man, have I already fulfilled my purpose? Am I already done? Was my purpose to make these two kids? And then, what's the point of me anymore? Like, oh, you can get lost in your head forever on hours on that one. Now it's never a good thing. Yeah, no, probably not. You know, uh, the other thing uh, you're really great at, uh, when you, you, you preach the Bible, and uh, I'd like to ask you about that a little bit more in a minute, because I have the hardest time reading it. I, I, I need to do it. I'm not very good at reading it. Like, a lot of times I start reading, I don't know what I'm reading, and I probably need to take a class or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's not where I was heading with this. When when you're on uh, the stage and you're you're preaching, you're very good at uh, connecting with the audience, right? And you're, you're very good at pointing out every once in a while you do a Father's Day thing or a Mother's Day thing, and you're like, husbands, you need to be better at this, and wives, you need to be better at this, and parents, you do. And uh, my big thing is I, I work too much. I 100% do, and I need to be at home more and hang out with my family more. And uh, you've made me realize that, and I put a better effort towards it, right? So my question to you is, why do you always stare at me right when you're saying that? And are you really staring at me? Because I swear it looks like you're staring at me. You are so good at that. Like, anytime, I honestly don't know if you're looking at me. And keep in mind, this is an audience with anywhere between 500 and 2,000 people. And anytime you say something that I'm like, oh, man, he's right. I need to be better at that. You're looking dead set at me. There is no way you know that, but uh, somehow you pull it off. Uh, that's how you know God as it works. Okay. That's, yeah. Because everybody will say that. Well, oh, yeah, I needed to hear that today, you know. And, I'll even look around like, no, it's dark. He can't tell it's me. Oh, no, you're staring. No, it's me, right? Hey, John, you didn't got, get home until 8.30 last night. <laughs> Ten feet away from me, I, I can't tell who's <laughs> okay, sitting okay. there. So Don't give away your secret. It, it really works. Yeah, yeah. But, well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, the so I told you I went to church as a, a, a young kid. And then from probably the age of 6 to 20, I, I never went to church, never read the Bible, you know, really wasn't too interested in, in spiritual things. But that guy who came and asked me to run the soundboard, he taught the Bible in a way that was practical. So when I left, I was like, wow, I can actually do something with that. 
like he he talked about whatever the way I treat my wife or the way I spend my money or the way I raise my kids or I didn't I didn't realize the Bible spoke to those things because the preachers that I had heard as a kid and I'm sure they were fine maybe I was just too young to understand it you know but it was just it really felt way over my head and so one of the things that we try to do is simplify 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 um, you know I was just uh, coaching. Uh, uh, Brandon, who you know, uh, yeah. he's going to be speaking this weekend, and so just spent some time with him uh, this morning. And I uh, said, "Okay, let me, you know, let's see your notes and see your outline. What are you thinking about?" I was like, "Okay, now you got to make it simple." Oh <laughs> like, uh, yeah, because you, you you'll lose us. Yes, yeah. that's right. You know, you can't go in. This is all great what you've done. You've studied for hours, but that's probably the hardest part of my job. You've got to like, make it relatable to everybody who's listening. Yeah, take to twenty you. hours of study and research. And break it down to, you know, a single big idea that someone can walk out and say, hey, I can actually apply this in my life. And now you've got to compete with TikTok. You only have 15 seconds. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, got, you got Twitter that gives you 160 words or whatever and TikTok for 15 it's seconds. the ultimate spirit as opposed to the letter, right? <laughs> Good luck, yeah. Brandon. you got 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It gets a long time to keep attention. It is. It is. The other thing that I always think about sometimes, too, um, I, I I just thought of it because I think it's your name. Wasn't it the story of David? Um, wasn't wasn't David a great warrior? And he was he was always out in battles and fighting for God's purpose. And then one day he got lazy and didn't want to fight anymore. And then he got in a whole lot of trouble. Like, yeah. isn't that how the story goes? <laughs> yeah. And that's always in the back of my mind. And I think what it is is just idle hands. And that's part of my problem with the world. Um, if if I wake up in the morning, I have a purpose. And, you know, I'm not a warrior, but I wake up in the morning, I have a purpose. And I go do my purpose. And I'm busy all day and I do good things. It's going to be good. If I if a person stops and you just sit around, if you have idle hands. like I, I just thought it was a very inspirational story that just yeah. showed... If I remember the story, he was he was a great person. He, he did really really well until he lost his path and had some hard times after that. Yeah, you know, there's there's this propensity in all of us. I think um, when we're young and hungry and we are trying to climb that ladder or whatever to like, you know, put your nose to the grindstone, go out, kill something, drag it home. You know, I mean, produce. You know, yeah. I'm I'm sure. There are agents you sure. have to talk I, I, to, and say, hey, this, yeah. is, this is what we got to do. You know, literally, I hope they're listening. That's and, what we want you to do. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you, you want to go to bed tired. That's you know, leave it all out there. Go to bed tired. It's healthy for you. Yeah. But then once you reach a certain point, and you start thinking, you know, I don't need to sell quite as many houses as I used to sell. Yeah. I mean, there's a such thing as balance, you know, and, sure. and you mentioned that, but. There's just this idea that hey, I can I can let off the gas a little bit. I can relax, and that's what David did. You know, he was he was a shepherd boy. Then he was a musician, and then he was a warrior. And then you know, he finally gets to the palace, and the, the scripture says that it was the time for kings to go out to battle. So that's what he's supposed to do. He's a king. He's supposed to go out to battle. But he was like, oh, I'll just send somebody else. But he didn't else. go. Yeah. Phone it in, you know, send somebody else. Send my uh, second in command or whatever, yeah. you know. He didn't go. And then he saw a woman that wasn't his wife. And the next thing you know, you know, it, it just led to a lot of bad stuff in, in David's life. So I think what you're saying is that purpose needs to be what's driving us. And, and if you can find that purpose and you find, hey, this is, this is what God put me on this planet to do, there really is some protection in that. 
I, I, I don't think I have that issue because I grew up, my pet peeve is laziness. Like I just, laziness drives me nuts, probably to a fault. <laughs> like I just, yeah. I always go to bed tired, but uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know, but it keeps me busy. And, is he uh, hard to work for? Just, let's just let him out. Just between us girls. I grew up in a kitchen, so John's my kind of guy. I okay. like that. Yeah, yeah. We, I, it was the first I grew place. up on a farm, so he's okay. my kind of guy. So, yeah, yeah. We're never bored. Yeah. No, we haven't been, we haven't been bored in forever. <laughs> no, no. No boarding here. Yeah, that's good. All that's right, good. so uh, Kristen, uh, why don't you lead into one of your questions, the good ones? Yeah. So, uh, well, you know, since you talked to jo- or you listened to our episodes, uh, we always ask uh, what you're salty about. <sighs> Boy, I thought about this in uh, trying to figure out what what people might. Can I give two things? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Maybe no one. Is, this is no one else is bothered by this, but the fact that they put two roundabouts in Grantsville, Maryland, <laughs> makes I I, I just I, I'm not an engineer. I don't understand how roundabouts work. I think I it slows you people that. down. I thought that was the I, whole no, point of college I education. It was in a marketing class. <laughs> no, I'm with you. How does that make any sense? I don't. In the trucks, they can't make the turn. So if you're up there, I mean, they're, half the time their back the tires are on the curb. On yes. This is this is dangerous. Yep, I moved yep, out yep. of the big city to get away from nonsense like this, yep. and they come in the heart of Amish country. We got buggies going around there. What in the world? It's like these these trucks can't make that turn. Nobody knows how to. You know, people. You don't know what exit you're going. No, off of. you don't know. Yeah, I we, bet you that truck is praying. Dear God, let me make it around. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. to get and like to get back on 68 West, you can either start going around the roundabout and get off, or you can go around around the roundabout and get off. There's two exits there. Yeah. Oh. Now speaking of kids, you want to blow their mind? Just keep going around in circles. It's a lot <laughs> <Yeah>. of fun. <laughs> they have a, come, when you go down to get your Katie's ice cream, go ahead and take the roundabout two or three times. Come in hot back to Katie's the little trailer. And get it. So I don't know if you've heard of the Mystic Land of New Jersey, but what we have, we don't have left turns. What we have is jug handles. Have you ever heard of that? No. So instead of yes. making a left, you have to go right, and oh. then you can make a left. Always? Pretty much, unless you're at like a four-way stop sign. Yeah. Any oh. traffic lights, most of them, you have to make it. You Some senator's handle. son must yeah. sell asphalt. That just seems yeah, like a lot yeah, of extra. Like, <laughs> that just seems like a lot of extra road enough asphalt here. How can we make more asphalt? <laughs> Uh, my daughter, my 17-year-old, you know, she hasn't been driving that long, and, and she needed to go to LaVale not long ago. Yeah. And uh, and we couldn't go with her for some reason. And so she's like, Dad, I don't like to drive on the interstate. And I said, well, honey, it's okay. I said, you just, you know, go up 495 or New Germany Road. And I said, just go over to 40, oh, and, no. and you can take 40 all the way down. You'll be fine, you know. So... She gets home that night. I'm like, hey, how the drive goes? She said, Dad, I had to go on the interstate. She's still freaked out. I said, what happened? I told you, go past the pilot. And you'll you'll turn right on to 40. She said, I got to the roundabout, and I didn't know what to do. So she just turned right on to, on to 68. And, well, yeah. it is. Sometimes that's, there's that's three the lanes. Right choice. Yeah. The yeah. new one in Morgantown, when you're coming out of, uh, I don't know, yeah, oh, yeah. by uh, Chick-fil-A, there's three lanes in the roundabout. If you're in the wrong one, you better watch out. Oh, yeah. man. I know. And rough. especially if you're everybody that lives there knows exactly what to do so they're like get out of the way they don't know what they're doing uh, either they just well they act like it i can't live in i could not live in morgantown without my horn like if my 
because you have well, to teach. Are you a road rager? You, you have to teach people how to use the roundabout, especially in Morgantown. Yeah. Okay. Don't hesitate. Right. Go. Fair enough. It's yeah. a yield. It's not a stop. Let's go. Yeah. I go it. and I don't make Let's eye go. contact. Yeah. Just don't make eye contact with anyone. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm so insecure about this whole thing. You had a great story about eye contact one day. I don't remember what it was, but it was something like that. Uh, there was a big uh, argument going on or something. I remember you were you were preaching about it and you were like, I just didn't make eye contact. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a good thing to do. And you guys said don't do that with bears yeah so i didn't know that so michael make fun of me um i'm really good at just blending in and fading away if something like that happens i just have a good way of kind of fading away there's this meme of homer simpson getting sucked into a bush (laughs) it's a gift that's john where was he i don't know he was was here (laughs) all right what's number two well number two is uh my wife likes to tuck the sheets under the mattress I don't know if anyone else does this, but I like to sleep with one foot no. uncovered. Oh, yeah. no. And she will just fight me on this, and she will tuck it in under the mattress. And I'm thinking, what if there's an intruder? What if there's a fire? Or what if I get a cramp? You know, sometimes you get a cramp. you got to get out of the bed quick. Here go. I am yeah. fighting yeah, for my life wait. here. And so, like, if we go to a hotel, they always do that in hotels, you know. First thing I do, I'm yanking it out. Next thing, she's trying to put that thing back. So After you're asleep? No, no, no. no. <laughs> she's up at 2 a.m. That, that would like, be strange. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, no, don't tuck me in like that. But uh, so roundabouts and tucked in sheets. i got to have one foot out there just in case you got to be out quick. Uh, are what you are, a little one-footer? Or, no, yeah, I know? was just going to ask but, what but, your feet preferences is because it seems like people, I feel very strongly, both of your feet should be covered at all times. Yeah, I had no. to, I mean, I'm, I've grown out of it now, but when I was a kid, I just thought that something was going to grab my feet if I had them out of the covers. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. So I've always been feet in, socks off, though. Oh, no socks, yes. Dave and I are in the same lines. I like to keep my feet hanging out. Like, I oh, don't Steve know why. I, I, I keep my feet out. hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. Terrifying. Mandy, I make a pocket. Mandy hates because I, I, I love my wool blanket and she hates she's like you're like sleeping with a brillo pad what is wrong with you and i'm like i don't know i like it it gets it's comfortable in all temperatures and we have like old radiant heat that like you know it's kind of finicky so like yeah. sometimes it's cold sometimes it's hot you know it's just is what it is. Yeah, I don't know why. I like my feet to be cold at nighttime. Yeah. Just, just no, nice. that's like, uh, no, feet have to be covered. No, what you really should say is we both should be thankful we have wives who tuck the sheets at it all. <laughs> yeah. We're very lucky. No, nah, it's go. okay to complain. <laughs> They're probably listening. <laughs> <laughs> They're one of the ten. You said we could edit. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. So have you been to the Honey Honey? Oh, yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah. Many um, times. Yeah, I knew this question was coming. <laughs> okay. My pony story is probably different than a no, lot I would, of people. I would assume. Well, that's good. We don't want all the same uh-huh. Did you have to go there to save somebody? So. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. All the stuff Did going on in the world. somebody at the dunk? Um, no, but we have a team going in this, oh, this year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. all three of us are dunking, so oh, we'll all be there. Right? Awesome. Yeah, we'll okay. There. All right. Uh, I, did, I played a retirement party there one time for a friend of mine. He was a school teacher, and he retired after... So many years, but it was a daytime outside gig. But uh, probably my best Honey story would be um, every year at the Christmas tree lighting, they invite our church to come. We've done it, I don't know, five or six years and do Christmas carols. And it's really fun because you get all these people from out of town. You know, you have no idea who they are. And they're here. And it's always, I think, what, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So 
to me, that's kind of like official Christmas kickoff, you know. And so if it's not too freezing, I'll take a guitar out there. We always sing, but sometimes we do music. I was there know, last year. That was neat. Yeah. yeah. And so you just have all these people you don't know, and we hand them out lyrics, and we all sit there and sing. And uh, for some reason, I don't know what they do. Best hot chocolate. I think I've ever had is it Uno's Christmas tree light. They didn't tell you they put Bailey's in it. I was well. going to say, are you sure it wasn't Gorilla Milk? <laughs> I Dave's like, give me another. Those are great. <laughs> you may also want to edit that out, but it is the best hot chocolate I think I've ever had. I'm just And uh, just families like it, you know, and you just, here you are. It's one thing to sing at church, which is awesome with people you know, but here's, I don't know, 100 people out there you don't know. Just on vacation, maybe they live here, maybe whatever. Yeah, and everyone's trying to get in the Christmas spirit, and that's kind of that kickoff event. And so we just look forward to that every year. There's uh, nothing like Christmas carols. That's like, that is, I love it. I love Christmas music. We have a big debate in our office because oh, we started early. It, when, we play when, it frequently. when are you allowed to start in, in your office? Well, I was given a one day a week role. What? But, I didn't hear about I this. I know. We have a Grinch um, uh, amongst us. A Grinch miss? A, a Grinch amongst, amongst us. Oh, you're talking about Mike Kennedy? Yeah, Mike yeah. Kennedy. M I K E. We don't have to talk about it. Mike, I got your back. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. But yeah, definitely Mike Kennedy. But yeah, we like to play it. So sometimes we just wait for him to complain about it. And then we might switch it. We might say that we don't know how to switch it back. Real quick question before we hop off. Just Today's Fat Tuesday. Do you have a Lent protocol? Are you giving up anything for Lent, or is that not a part of it for you? Or uh, it is not an official part of our church life. So okay. I, I know okay. for some for some churches sure. it is, uh-huh. but uh, we will usually do something leading up to Easter. Yeah, because Easter is our our biggest uh, event of the year. Sure, and uh, so uh, you know it's kind of Super Bowl of the of the church world, <laughs> and so we'll usually do something to to to, to try, and sometimes that's fasting or giving up things. Sure, it's not it's not strict Lent, so yeah, okay, we can't really celebrate fat. Understood. Yeah, 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 I'm fat. Every Tuesday, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll just go to Mardi Gras, <laughs> yeah. Dude, whatever. You have lost a ton of weight. Well, I have, but it is trying real hard to come back. So, well, gotta, that's life. I got um, to do something about it. You look great, man. Yeah. Uh, and, and I have no idea how much you lost or didn't lose. I just know you've. You lost a lot. You look great. Uh, appreciate that. God bless you for saying that. <laughs> anything, anything you want, preacher man. Hey, pulling out the big guns. <laughs> is there, can you, so is Easter the Super Bowl? Like, what about Christmas? Like, is Easter's it. Easter's the big one? Easter's it. Christmas is big, too. Yeah. But, but Easter's it. Um, you know, uh, we had over over 2,200 people there last year. Um, that was in four services. Our building can't hold that many at one time. So yeah. that's in four services. Um this year we're going to do at least four, and we're starting to get the plans ready for that. And we just try to go big. It's a it's the greatest event in history, so we you, celebrate it big. Do you still uh, go into the fairgrounds? Are your new facilities big enough now to facilitate four services? Yeah, we don't do f- uh, fairgrounds anymore. It's got to um, be hard. Four services. I mean, that, that's got to be. Do you exhausting. say the same exact yeah. thing every four services? Can't. Uh, you try, but you don't. You know, <laughs> yeah, people say. will say you got to hey. let the spirit move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you can. yeah. Does so, anybody stay for all so, four? Well, a lot of our volunteers do. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. our volunteers do. We have hundreds of volunteers, you know, who who make it happen. Uh, choir, band, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, we used to have we loved fairgrounds because you could get everyone together at one time. Yeah. But that building is rough to hear in. Yes. Yeah, it's a big, 
echo box. Yeah, yeah, it's just rough, and you know, I'd have I've had old people say, "Hey, I, I think you did a good job today, but I don't know because <laughs> I couldn't hear you." <laughs> and uh, so the new facility is just much nicer for acoustics and yeah. And the new church is pretty amazing, Mike and Chris. Yeah. I don't know if you've been in there or not, but it's amazing. Yep. The acoustics are set up right. Like That's it's cool. It's neat, um, and we haven't made it through a show yet without talking about COVID, so we get flagged every time we do, so we might as well go ahead and get flagged. <laughs> but uh, what was it like for you to build a brand new church? Like, uh, literally, church's done, guys, come tomorrow, first Sunday mm-hmm. service, and then, oh, there's COVID. Like, that's yeah. basically how the timeline worked, right? Yeah, we were we were still building while it was going on, and it was it was the scariest time in my life because we had uh, we had asked people to give a lot of money, yeah. <laughs> you know, to do it, and uh, we said, hey, we're gonna you know we're gonna break ground and did that, and we we did we broke ground in like uh, I don't know maybe in January I think, and we you know we start building there shortly after. Next thing you know, March comes along, yeah. And like uh, we thought, hey, we're gonna get shut down. And uh, we actually had a couple of visits from the state police because uh, they saw at the time there was more cars there than should be there. And I'm like, this is just a construction crew. You know, that was kind of yeah. freaky. Like, yeah, that was weird. And and so we didn't know what was going to happen, you know. But one of the things we did, our church is great about being flexible, you know. So, I mean, we had to shut down for about a month. But yeah. we were quick to come back. Yeah. And so we went to parking lot services. That was crazy. Preaching to cars. Uh, you know, instead of people clapping their hands, they honked their, they honked adapted. their horns. <laughs> just adapted. We found a... That's the hand you were dealt. Yeah. yeah. We found a uh, a company in out of Pittsburgh that has these mobile stages. Yeah. And, uh, of course, all their shows got shut down. So I was like, hey, could we just rent one, you know, for four months? Yeah. We'll put it in our parking lot, and you could fold it up. And, and it, was, <laughs> it was really kind of cool, you know? And so that way we didn't have to, you know, set up a stage every week so we put that in the corner we did that and then as soon as the weather got decent we moved to the fairgrounds and yeah. so we kept the doors open and if people wanted to pull their cars up to the doors they could do that but we were just trying to say we knew people still had to get together sure the, the the emotional and the mental they probably the needed you the irony is they needed you more then than ever Correct. and they couldn't come yeah there was so much yeah. fear and stuff so we just said hey whatever we have to do to get people together, let's get them together. And then um, cold weather was coming again, and so thankfully we were able to keep the building going and just right as the time, I think we had to shut down for maybe one or two more weeks, and then yeah. we were able to open the new building. So, yeah, it all worked out. And it probably, we're looking back, it was it was the scariest time of our careers and probably our life too, um, but it advanced us so far. We It forced us to do things we would never do. Like, I'm curious yes. what your membership today is because you offer online services on Facebook and YouTube and stuff like that. Like, I'm not saying you wouldn't have gotten there, but you got there a whole lot quicker because yeah. you had to. Yeah. Um, yeah, if anything good came out of that is, like, all the things that all of us, you know, used to say, well, you can't do that. Yeah. Uh, you rethought all that and you said, well, well, I guess we could do that. You know, why can't we do that? And you, you found ways to innovate. And a lot of times limitation is the key to, to innovation. You know, it's like, Oh, it forces us to do this. And so that's what we did. So yeah, we, we did, we grew by hundreds of people during that time that's um, awesome. because people, they wanted a spiritual component in their life and, and they didn't know where to go to get it. And, and we made it available whether that was in a parking lot or fairgrounds or radio or internet or, you know, whatever we had to do. Getting back to baptism, it doesn't matter about the water. It just matters that you were there. Correct. Were there Correct. The, uh, the methods change. The message always stays the same. There's a, there's a guy. Have, have, you guys, have you ever heard of Robert Anton Wilson? I don't think so. He's a philosopher and comedian type guy at one point in time. Um, 
But he had this this sect of Buddhism that he found that like really kind of brought him, you know, he's a profound atheist actually, you know, in in such a way. And he said, you know, oh, he couldn't get behind these Buddhisms because he just he just likes facts and he likes, you know, things. He can't believe he needs to have some sort of material way of like proof that, you know, the, the examples that we talked about wouldn't be right. And so, you know, he found You're saying these, what I'm into a whole lot better thinking. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so, but he he so he um all of these Buddhist faiths are along the lines of like as long as you believe you know, that you will come back and eventually reach nirvana. And he's like, oh, you know, I can't. But faith is the thing that I just doesn't, for some reason, couldn't find. And and then there's this one, and I, I, I hate that I don't know the name of it, but it's a sect of Buddhism where it's like, okay, look, so long as you want to reach nirvana, or, or in this case, as long as you want to have a relationship with God, right? As long as you want your heart to open up. If that's something that you want, doesn't in, in this sect, it doesn't matter if you come back a thousand times, you will eventually reach that relationship with God, that, that nirvana. And that was, that was the breaking point for like that kind of flipped him over. Cause he just, he just couldn't, he didn't feel like he could be a man of faith. He didn't feel like he could just believe in something. And then it was like, kind of like that. Well, as long as you want to believe, like as long as you want to have a relationship. Cause that's the trick, right? If, if it was in, in your heart, like, like you, you have saying. to choose to believe it. Yeah. Right? There's, there's way, you know, we mentioned, you know, look into the eyes of child, look into nature. You know, why do so many people come to Garrett County? Why you do know, trees just, exist? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like you, you look around and you go, surely someone created this. There, yeah. there, there has to be a designer to all of this. Then our own conscience, like even if, even if you don't read the Bible, you know when you do something wrong, sure, when you hurt 100%. somebody, there's something inside you saying, hey, what are you doing? You know, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. There's, there's, there's that our conscience in there, you know? And so again, I think people, they look in a lot of different places. For me, what I found in, in my search, you know, Christianity is different in the fact that we don't do anything to earn God's love. We don't do anything to fix ourselves. There's nothing. We have a little saying at Crossroads and you'll see it on our t-shirts and stuff that says Jesus plus nothing. There's nothing I can add to Jesus to make me right with God. God loved the world so much that he was willing to send his son to come and die for my sin, those things that I do wrong, pay a price that I, I could never pay on my own. He paid that. He did that all for me. And so all the other religions in the world teach that you are somehow climbing a ladder. You are going to get good enough to make God love you or to be pleased with you. Christianity says everyone has sinned. Everyone falls short of the glory of God. There is no one perfect on this planet except Jesus, and he dies to make us right with God. That's the difference between Christianity and the other religions of the world. And uh, we're happy to see what God's doing in Garrett County. You know, a lot of people have come to faith in these past 15 years, and we're not the only church. You know, there's a hundred churches in Garrett County. Sure. <laughs> wow. we, we are, we are, it's amazing for, for our population that there's that many churches, and there's a lot of good churches. We're not the only good church. There's a lot of good churches, a lot of great uh, faiths out there, and so we're, we're excited that that continues to grow, and, and we see God doing some good stuff here. Well, you have helped me. You've helped my family. You've helped hundreds, many, many of my friends. Uh, Preacher man, Dave, Pastor Dave, <laughs> whatever we should call you, um, you're a blessing to have here in, as a community member. Um, 
I, I don't know exactly how that calling worked for you for 15 years ago to come here. We're all very lucky and thankful that you're here. Thank you. Uh, there, there are not enough good things I could say about you and what you're doing for the county, uh, just for people in general and probably for the world. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Nice to meet everyone. Thanks, man. That was great. Awesome.